our goal here is not to scare you into not changing your mind. Listen, you're within your right to do it. I have changed my mind on projects. What we're trying to do is limit your changes to very few items, something that you just can't live without, that you found, oh my God, we've got to figure out how to get this integrated into the project. What we want to do is save you the time, the money, and the headaches of making these decisions on the fly, waiting till the 11th hour, or just arbitrarily picking items and then changing them because we, 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 we want to protect your pocket and your sanity through this process. with the cousins hey guys welcome back to another episode of home with the cousins we are running back through the project planning series if you've listened to this before it is definitely worth another listen there is an absolute ton of information in these seven episodes i would also encourage you to share this with a friend think about somebody who's got an upcoming renovation wants to do a home remodel and really isn't prepared to do so, share this episode, share this series with those people. We really want to share knowledge here. After these seven episodes, we will be back with all fresh content. Without further ado, jump into it. All right, so today we're talking about communicating with your GC. So we've uh, we've gone through, you know, the initial... Uh, the initial planning uh, stages or, or early design stages, rather, uh, we've gone through budgeting and we've gone through building your team. Now it's about the, the communication process. And by that, we mean setting yourself up for success once the project is rolling. So having an actual conversation with your general contractor about how we're going to communicate about things. So real quick, let's recap the the, the bidding process, right? Yep. It, it's been iterative. You've gone forward, you've gone back, and then you've gone forward again, meaning you got your ballpark bid, you maybe took five general contractors and you're down to three. You, you gave them now highly detailed plans that are, that are capable of going to the building department to get your permits, and you've received detailed line item bids from your three general contractors. You've taken those three bids in the spreadsheet that uh, that we posted. We'll link it again here in the show notes so that uh, so that it's easy to find for you guys. And you've taken the, the the bids from the detailed bids from contractor A, B, and C. You've normalized them through a spreadsheet uh, that we've created so that you're calculating the bids on apples to apples basis. Uh, you've had multiple conversations. You've visited job sites. You've seen work, and you've made your decision. You're going with contractor A. So you've selected this person and you're ready to go. So what's next? What do you do next? So obviously you've got to get a contract in place. Uh, you want to be laying out a detailed scope of work and you want to make sure all your documents are, are in line so that when they start, it's very clear how you're going to proceed together. Well, and, and you know, getting that detailed scope of work and we talked about this, you know, you're getting your scope of work. It's not one price. You're having that detailed bid where everything is outlined. So you're able to go through it and understand actually what you're paying for in every aspect of the job. Absolutely. So 
when it comes to a sco scope of work, what exactly do we mean? So a scope of work is a document that's going to be written up by you. Uh, if you're working with an owner's rep or a, or a, a, a construction uh, manager, you know, they, they have the capability of doing that. But a scope of work is additional detail that will supplement your architectural drawings. So the architectural drawings are going to have a lot of notes on there. Most of those notes delineate uh, what, whether they can use PEX or copper for plumbing, uh, the way the HVAC is going to be need to, need to be run, um, uh, uh, all the code notes that that need to be on the drawings, um, any detailed drawings um, for for uh, structural elements that the contractor is going to need to build, but what architectural plans generally do not have it's the design items is all the design items the the exact type of flooring you want the color paint um you know i mean look there's a myriad of options that go along with design you guys are i'm sure are well familiar with with all i mean backsplash tile you you name it that is not going to be on your plans and that's where a scope of work is hugely beneficial and, and the reason why it's so important guys you have to realize this i know everybody probably thinks oh well tiles tile Flooring's flooring, appliances are appliances. No, they're not. What, what you have to realize is there's different install practices for all this stuff. So we talked about, of course, the planning process and how important it is to start picking out those materials, making your, your choices and your options, because you could have a tile that has much more labor than maybe just a subway tile that's pretty basic, it's an easy install, and it's a totally different price. So you're going to be going through your scope of work. You're going to be laying out all these different elements, all these little things that make your project unique. The contractor knows it ahead of time, so it's not a surprise. He can't come to you and say, oh my God, look at this tile you chose. You know, this was supposed to be a one-day job. This tile is going to be a four-day job or... or, or or the flooring that, that, that you picked, you know, wasn't, you know, it's a much more difficult f floor to install. Those are all things that he needs to know ahead of time. And Anthony made a, a great point earlier talking about your architectural drawings normally don't have that. You might, you might spend the extra money and an architect, of course, can do a scope of work for you. That's totally up to you. But I think to save money, and that's what we're talking about here. Save money. You guys do that. You write the scope of work. You have all the details. Well, and you know what, John? I think it goes beyond saving money because the fact of the matter is an architect, like you've said many a time before, has multiple clients. Yep. This homeowner, this phantom homeowner we're talking about, isn't their only client. They're not going to take the time that sure. is necessary to put the level of detail into a scope of work that is going to be applicable and beneficial for you. So I, I think it's, it's kind of money ill spent because you're not going to get the product you want. We've done it before. We've asked for it. I've seen it done a multitude of ways. Yeah, we have actually, I, that's right, on a bunch of our developments, we tried to do that with some of the architects and so, it didn't work out well. Right. So here's what we're going to do. In the show notes for this episode, I am going to post uh, a scope of work the, I'm going to remove my client's information so you can't see it, but I'm going to I'm going to post a scope of work that I do for my clients. Now, here's what what you need to pay attention to. Every scope of work is going to be different because every project is different. Every project requirement is different. Look at my detail. Detail. Yeah. Okay. It's it's minutia because I don't want things left to chance. There's also a very specific note that I put on the top of the page. 
when in doubt, the scope of work rules over the notes on the architectural plan. Why is that? Because when you have a set of governing documents for a job, who's to say what document? Well, the plans don't say I need to do this. Well, the scope of work does. So to jump ahead just a little bit here, when we get down to signing contracts, what we're going to tell you guys is the general contractor will bring you his basic form contract. What you're going to supplement to that contract as an addendum, you're going to have the scope of work that you've written up with the note that it's going to rule over the plans. You're going to have a smaller version, maybe 11 by 17 or even 8.5 by 11, set of the drawing documents. And all of these pages are going to get initialed, every single one of them, so that you have a really solid document package that's going to go along with your job site. You can throw it in the drawer because you're only going to need to reference it if things go wrong. Correct. The contractor says, well, I don't want to do this. This, is, this wasn't part of it. This is No, 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 no. It's in the scope of work. We all signed it. So it's not like you didn't know about it because your initials are right next to mine. Yeah, and, and you guys, have, you know, you, you should realize too, you know, of course this is to protect you, but if you don't put these things, if you don't make this detailed scope of work and you get into the project and you want to start adding stuff, well, that's when the contractor's going to come back to you with, with change orders. And we know everyone always gets nervous when they hear that word, change orders, and, and they're like, oh my God, I can't believe it. But guys, if it wasn't discussed at the beginning of the project, if it wasn't in that detailed scope of work, that's the, that the, that's, is the contractor's right. He has to do that. He has to make money if you want to change something. Right. And, and what we're going to get into, into change orders in this episode, this is the episode we're going to talk to, uh, about them in detail. But I want to spend some more time on scope of work because it it can be so beneficial for you. Um, To John's point, he's absolutely right. It's for your protection. But but I think even more importantly, like we've said in probably every episode thus far, it's about managing expectations, both yours and the contractor's. If the contractor is aware of it, he's going to price for it. So this is how I would suggest going about it. In general, I like to have my scope of work ready before I go to my final bid round. Why is that? Because you're going to be able to get a, a, a perfect price if you're giving them a set of drawings supplemented by a two, three, four page uh, scope of work. That's going to be everything. That's all your detail. I understand that this is a daunting process for a lot of people first time through it. So don't feel like you need to give them a full scope of work with the plans. What you can do as an alternative is you can give them the architectural plans, contractor A, B, and C, and they quote it out. You select your contractor, you got contractor A. While they're going through the bid process, which we told you last time takes two, three, maybe even a month, um, two, three weeks or even a month, um, depending on the size of the project, you can be working on your detailed scope of work. You're going to make your selection. Now you've got your contractor. Okay, I understand this is the price that you gave me, based on the architectural plans, here is my supplemental scope of work that I would like you to go through and adjust your price accordingly. Now, the price, nine times out of 10, is going to go up. Why? You're asking for additional things, things that weren't on the plan that he didn't see to begin with. But now you have a baseline, which is the architectural drawings, and you can see how much that price increases by adding your scope of work to it. And I want to give everybody an example. Um, 
and if, if you remember this, the one of the clients we had in in Hoboken, um, I'm sorry, in, in Jersey City, mm-hmm. um, it was the brownstone where we redid the the whole garden level. We we did the new kitchen yep. and the backyard, and it was very high end materials. It, it even though it wasn't a large area, we were putting a lot into this. We right. actually dug out, went underneath. So in 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 the kitchen, for example, she had wanted a very high end. Calcutta gold marble. Now, when you look at the archi- architectural plans, it just showed marble countertops, right? Right. So they okay. have a, they have their placeholder dollar value. Of course. So marble countertops, depending on the marble, can fluctuate in many different Oof, different ranges, you ain't right? Kidding. So she went down. Pro- there were, this was not in the scope of work. She she went down there. She she picked it out. It was a very expensive marble. She then had said, "Well, I also wanted to have a big." Thick, uh, fascia, like a fascia. Yep. It wanted it like two inches, so it looked like it was built up. Right. Now, you know, for uh, an installer and a fabricator, that is a lot of extra work Absolutely. of fabrication. Cutting so a miter joint, miter joints, veins that can break. I mean, it's a, and it's she a lot wanted of work. it, and she wanted it matchbooked as as well. So that's another matchbooked, bookmatched, <laughs> bookmatched. You know, you know what I mean. Back and forth. You know what I mean. Bookmatched. Yep. Um. So that so that also took a lot of extra time. So the change order for this was pretty. It, it was it's high. Steep. It was steep. She didn't. Ex- she was kind of. She was okay. She wasn't a client that really freaked out because she knew she had expensive taste. Yep. But she never told us this prior. Now at the beginning, if we talked about this, we could have budgeted it into our price. It, it would have been a lot easier. Right. It wouldn't have been this. It was a large change order. It was. It wasn't hundreds of dollars, guys. We're talking thousands. I want to say with the extra marble that she wanted, the extra work for the fabricator, it was somewhere in the neighborhood of five to seven thousand extra dollars, right? Just for the countertop. Yeah. Well, look when you're pricing. And this at- was on. And this was on top of the price that we already had in the budget. Of course. So, so we had a line item. It's the supplemental price. It, it was. It was a supplemental. Well, so that's a perfect you know, example. Look, countertops are by the square foot. It was a large area, if yep. I remember correctly. It was a big, big, it was a big island. island. Yep. Um, you know, and when you're jumping from fifty or sixty dollars a square foot to hundred and twenty, yep. I mean, you're doubling the price. So it's 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 no it's no math puzzle to figure it out. It's pretty simple. It's pretty simple math. Yep. Um, but it's it's a great illustration, a great example to show you how quickly these things can change and how much material selection, uh, uh, how much material selection informs the bid process. Yeah, it, it could really. I mean, and that's why. Luckily, she was well off. They own that that whole brownstone. They they could they can spend the money. Sure. We don't want people. I I feel bad because I think people get so excited when when they see things on TV and magazines online, and then they say, "Oh, I want that in my place," and they ask the contractor, and he's like, "Do you know how much something like that costs?" Right. But this so. is another perfect example of slow is fast. Yep. Take your time, cross T's, dot I's, and get all of your details in line before you start construction. That way you're not going to have any negative monetary surprises when it comes down to the pretty things that that you get really excited about as the project comes to a close. And now, oops, all of a sudden we're out of money. So scope of work can be hugely, hugely beneficial. Um, Okay, so um, we have beaten scope of work to death. We got um, it. <laughs> guys, I know uh, now. <laughs> yeah, again, in the show notes, I'm going to be posting an example of what I've done. 
Um, and then we're also going to have a template for you, um, which is basically just going to be broken, a Word document broken into sections um, to try and get your mind thinking in, in, the, in, in the different areas within a construction project, whether it's roughs, finishes, um, mechanicals, and, and things like that. And I think if you print out the, the example that I've done that's completed and you've got the, the template up on your screen, you, know, you guys should be able to make some pretty fast progress um, on dialing in a scope of work for yourself. Um, so moving from there, we talked about annexing all these documents onto the back of the contract and signing everything. It's a general contractor's responsibility to provide you, the homeowner, with a contract. Um, the contract is going to, going to outline the basic way they work. It's going to protect you, or let me say this again, it should protect you and protect them. It's not meant to be a one-sided document. It's meant to be a document that is, is going to benefit and protect both sides. We are going to link a template that we have used in the past for general contractors contract as well. Uh, you can read that and, and look at it and compare it to the contract that, that your G GC is going to be giving you. The contract that we used was, was very fair yep. um, and made sure it had protections for both sides. Um, one thing I, I want to note for people when you're going through the process of finally picking your general contractor, and we, we talk about this a lot in, on when we travel on the road, is making sure that their insurances are in place. That's, you, you took the words out of my mouth. You know, that, that's, um, that's something I think some people maybe don't think about or they ask later. You want to get that up front, guys. You might find the person, you might fall in love, but let's make sure that you get their insurance. Yep. You make sure that they have enough in place. And I'm going to say at least a million dollars. I mean, I don't think there's any general contractor should have anything less than yeah. a so million dollars. The document that you guys are going to be looking for is the uh, insurance accord for their general contractor's liability insurance with a minimum of $1 million in coverage. Yep. On that document, at the bottom left corner, there's a box that says additional insured. That's where your information goes. Your address. So your contractor, once you guys have said, we're going to work together, they go to their insurance agent, they give them your name and your address where they're doing the work, and they add you as an additional insured on their policy. What this does is it puts in place the fact that you are legally um, entitled to be covered on their policy if they screw something up or if an accident happens within your home. We do not, John and I, do not let a contractor start. I don't care how excited my client is. Yep. Unless I am holding that physical document in my hand, PDF on a screen is fine, but unless I have that document, nobody starts work on a job site. And and I want to point out, Anthony said, you know, on the accord, you'll see the liability should say a million dollars. And sometimes what the guys don't do is also at the bottom is the workers comp as well. That should also be a million dollars uh, on top of that. Sometimes it might be on a second a second accord that, that, that you get. But the workers comp is also very important because if a contractor, subcontractor, somebody gets injured on your house, you want to be protected. That's and it ha it's happened on plenty of jobs to us where guys get injured, you know, then they, they try to sue or 
or they have to go for, uh, you know, go to the doctor and it goes on and everything gets billed to that job, to the site that they were hurt at. So make sure you're looking to make sure that the liability is a million and the workers comp is well said. a million as yeah. well. It's very important, yeah. guys. And, and to any general contractors who are, might be listening out there, we feel your pain. Yep. Insurance is it's a lot of money, a pain in the ass, and it's probably the single highest cost um, that that we that we have to bear. In, in but Jersey, and homeowners, yeah. you know, take into account here, guys. These are things that the general contractor's got to pay for, so that's going to wind up in the bottom line uh, of your bid. So you you know you you start to wonder, oh, why is construction so expensive? Why this? Why that? First of all, you're hiring a professional who's going to do the job right for you. And second of all, there are a lot of expenses in today's day and age that go along with being a general contractor, and insurance is most certainly uh, a big chunk of that. And and unfortunately, it's part of the business. A lot of people get hurt. A lot of people like to sue, and you you have to cover yourself. Yes. So it goes. This is for both parties. This yes. is for the contractor and for the homeowner. For both people to just be covered in case it happens. If it happens, hey, the insurance is in place. No one has to worry about anything. Right. You know, and you you move on with the project. You don't get to that point saying, "Oops, this guy got hurt in my job," or someone walked in the job and they got hurt, and there is no insurance in place. Right, and you have a bigger problem. Okay, so before we dive into change orders, which is what I want to do next, I'm just going to recap yep. the document package that you guys are going to have together. So, the 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 top of the pile is going to be the general contractor's contract, and you guys are both going to sign that. Annexed to that, you're going to have your payment terms. That's going to be next episode, guys. We're going to talk about how to structure payments next episode. But that is part of your document package, part of the communication with your general contractor. So general contractor's contract, payment terms. Then you're going to have your scope of work and the official set of plans that has a copy of them in smaller format that have gone to the building department. Last but not least, you're going to have the insurance accord. That does not need to be signed by anybody, but you do want that to be part of the document package. Contract. Uh, I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> contract. You have you you, you have the Con- payment terms. Contract, payment terms, scope of work, scope of work plans, plans, insurance. insurance. Okay. There you go. <laughs> Sorry, See guys. that? You. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hey, look, but at the same time, you know what? I've been it, doing it for 15 years and it still what? gets confusing. But you know what? It just shows you. Uh, but it, it's funny when we, we laugh about that. <laughs> but there is a there is so many steps in this. You, you see how many things go into this. Yes. This isn't something that you just go, oh, hey, yeah, no problem. I signed this one little contract and it's over. Absolutely. It's all about the protection to making sure that you can work right and get things done fast. Absolutely. Okay, so let's get into the four-letter word of construction. Change orders. Yeah, <laughs> change orders. So don't be scared. Don't be scared. No. So you know, again, it goes back to communication, um, and it, and it goes back to managing expectations and having the conversation before yes. change orders well, come up. That, and that and that's 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 the basic definition of managing expectations, right? Yep. You talk about something before it happens, so you have an expectation of how it will be handled when it does occur. It because will occur. It will occur. Will occur. Yes, it will. So. Here's the thing. When you have someone quote your job, they're quoting the plans, they're quoting the existing conditions. The existing conditions are what they can see. I don't have x-ray vision. John, no contractor has x-ray vision. What does that mean? It means we can't see through sheetrock. means we don't know if your wiring is all jacked up in your house. We don't know if you've got a broken pipe 
uh, in the slab in the basement that's leaking sewage somewhere. We don't know any problems. We don't know about any problems we can't see. Yep. Mold, asbestos, who knows? We don't know. We don't know the majority of what can occur until we get into the project. What we're quoting on is the work that you want to take place to get your house from where it is to where you want it to be. So a change order is not a possibility. It's almost a guarantee. It's a guarantee. It is a guarantee. Unless you're gutting your house, which just means that, I mean, even still, if you're gutting your house, if guys start demolition and and they find asbestos, you've got to bring in an asbestos remediation team that can cost... I mean, uh, asbestos remediation. The last one we did was ten thousand dollars. Ten thousand dollars, and that was a yep. small house. And that was that, that wasn't a big house. Okay, and, and I would say the hundreds, and we've done hundreds of projects. We've always had a change order. There's never been one. You say nope. There's no change no. order. There, oh, there we've had some. Is. We've had some projects that have been worse than others. That's for sure. Yep. But there's 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 ninety nine times out of a hundred there's a change order. Yeah. So. We encourage strongly that general contractors have this conversation with you guys prior to a job getting started. They they explain the process of a change order to you. This does not happen as much as we would like it to. So we want to empower you guys. We want to empower the homeowners to say, hey, GC, I know what a change order is. I understand that they're going to occur. That's not the problem. The problem is I don't know the process and I want to understand how we're going to go about handling this together so that I have a reasonable expectation of how we're going to proceed. And I think, and that's, that's the key point because people hear of change orders, the contractor for contractors for some reason don't want to talk about it because they feel like oh, I'm, gonna get I'm not going to get the job. I'm not going to get the job. You know? I'm going to get yelled at. They're going to say, oh, you're already talking about change orders. No. Everybody has to realize that's a, it's a reality. Fact of life. It's just a reality, You're right. guys. Absolutely. I mean, let's let's. Uh, you shouldn't try to skate around issues that you know are just going to happen. If you do that, then everybody's fooling th- th- themselves, and that's that's not the point here. The point here is let's make sure that we understand how to how to deal with it. Now, going in, how how to deal with that change order? How do you how do you really start it? Well, we tell people all the time, look. When the contractor finds that, that that change order, he says, okay, He finds that issue. Finds that, issue. that will become a change order. So he, he opens up the wall. There is a lot of wiring issues in your house, which we see. That's probably majority of a lot of change orders. And before orders. you dive in here, let's, let's just put this caveat out there so everyone understands. Yep. If a contractor finds a code issue, a non-conforming yep. code issue within your home, they're legally required to fix it. The inspector is not going to pass them and say, Oh, it was there before. Okay, you can leave the fire hazard that may burn this person's house. No, you've got. They are required to bring it up to code. So that's the first thing to understand. Go ahead. Well, it, and before, and as an example, guys, we've had projects with older homes because probably it, it happens all the time when you have houses that are from the 30s, 40s, 50s. We start taking things down to the studs and we start changing things out. Well, all of the electric. Is it has to be changed out? It's not like oh one or two. You're talking. We had to rewire houses yep. because nothing was up to code. Wire no, insulation's no good anymore. The, none of it the, was a, a, a Romex or or yep. in, in conduits. The wire sizes weren't weren't uh, heavy gauge enough to yep. s- to sustain the new loads coming into the home. I mean, there's 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 so, <laughs> the problems are endless. It's how endless. you go about fixing them. So 
as the contractor opens up the wall, he finds this issue. What he needs to do is he needs to show you. He needs to explain to you what the problem is. If it's wiring, if it's plumbing, it's if it's the HVAC, or is it uh, is it is it something wrong that is in that's with your actual framing of the house. He shows you what the problem is. You both understand it. He gives you the price. He tells you what he's going to change, and you both agree on it there, and you document it, and you sign off on it. That's the way it's done. It's not the contractor finds it, calls you on a phone saying, hey, I found this problem. I'm, I'm going to fix it. You know, When you get home, it'll all be done. Guys, you need to see the problem so you understand the money that he's quoting you, why it's costing that much, and your eyes are wide open to it. If you don't understand that, if you don't see it, and he tells you, he fixes it, and he closes it, how do you really know what, what you're paying for? How do you really know that he fixed it or he did find anything? So that's having, that's having the transparency of you seeing the problem, seeing how it's going to be fixed, and everybody understanding the price that goes into it. And again, the, the, just like your uh, original project document stack, there is a standard change order form, and the, a description of the work to be done, the problem to be fixed is on there. Yep. Uh, maybe some maybe some photos if the contractor's so inclined to to document the process, a stated price, and then both of you sign it as an agreement that this sum is going to be added to the total of the contract, and you're going to pay for that work to be done. And then yes, you inspect it once it's over. If you lay that process out in the beginning, everybody's going to be on the same page. Everybody's going to be on the same page, and that again is is what is key is. The management of expectations and the communication so you can get the job done. Now, we talked in the budgeting episode, you've got your 20% contingency fee. This is what this is where the contingency comes into play. You know, the these issues do arise and and you and you want to be prepared for them. Now, this is a change order that you can do nothing about. There are change orders that you can avoid. Those are the design decisions that you're making throughout your project. Now, John and I harped early on, episode one, episode two, about making your decisions, creating your design notebooks, even in, earlier in this episode, creating your scope of work with as much detail as possible. The more you do this, the more you have everything defined and all your items picked out, the less opportunity there's going to be for change orders. And John's example of the Calcutta Gold uh, countertop is the perfect example of a change order that's avoidable. Now, that cost may not have been avoidable. It would have been in our bid to begin with because we would have known, okay, on the scope of work, it says Calcutta Gold. We get the quote. We know what the labor is involved in, in that type of marble, and it's part of your, your overall price. But here's the difference, okay? When you have your overall price for the project and you see it and, it's, and, and that's that, okay, you're prepared for that money. Now, if a problem arises, well, you've got your 20% contingency, it's unavoidable, you've got to fix it. If, it. if it's something that you could have had in your, in your bottom line number, but you just didn't make the decision or you changed your mind on it, well, now you're, you're using money that's for emergencies yep. to, to put in a pretty finished product that you should have had in the overall scope to begin with. And by example, again, a project that, that we worked on, and I think a couple episodes back we were talking about, we just said quickly, you know, what's the most change orders? We said we got 20-some-odd change orders for a project. Guys, what you have to realize is 
again, why we talked about the scope of work and the architectural plans and how important it is to have them as detailed as possible. We were given architectural plans that were very basic. You know, that's fine. You, you can get that. But all these, des all these design decisions were happening as the project w was going on. Well, guess what? That's a change order because their materials were higher end. There was more work going, going into it. And guess what, guys? It takes more time for the project. So if your general contractor said, this project is going to take me two months, well, guess what? You start racking up change orders and you start making all these design changes and, and now your material that you thought you were going to have in a week has a lead time of three to four weeks. And now... Well, the now perfect example, dude, the, the project that you're referencing, we were down to the wire and finishing everything up. Yep. They still didn't have a... a, a they Yeah, they still hadn't made a decision on their, on their finished fixtures. Yep. They make the decision. We go to our supplier. Okay, we, we got to get these in for our client. Yeah, no problem. 12-week lead time. Uh, what? Twelve week lead time. So and and just so we and, and guys, we were we were told a twelve week. It actually got extended even more. It was twenty, didn't it? It came out to be like a twenty week because these were totally custom fixtures that that they wanted. So what I'm saying is, when if we did this at the beginning of the project, we could have avoided yes. that hurdle. And, and you know, look, I, I don't want we. Our goal here is not to scare you into not changing your mind. Listen, you're it within happens. your right to do it. I've changed my mind on projects. Yep. What we're trying to do is limit your changes to very few items, something that you just can't live without, that you found, oh my God, we've got to figure out how to get this integrated into the project. What we want to do is save you the time, the money, and the headaches of making these decisions on the fly, waiting till the 11th hour, or just arbitrarily picking items and then changing them because we do, we, we, we want to protect your pocket and your sanity yeah. through this process. Well, and I just, I, I want people to understand because we, you know, we're constantly told, hey, I had a project, my contractor told me it was going to be done in a month to two months and it ends up being four months. Yes. Well, then you and I delve in and we say, okay, well, tell me a little bit about the project. And you're saying, yeah, well, he found this issue with the, the, the wiring in the house or there was an issue that, that, that happened with the framing. We had to change this around. Yes. And then you say, okay, well, that makes sense because every change order is going to add time. And I think a caveat that we should throw on the change order piece when you go through and, you're, and, you, and you get the quote and he sends you the sheet over saying, well, I'm going to be doing X. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be this amount of money. He should also be putting the extra time yes. it's going to add to the project right. because every change order adds extra time to your project. And at least you know that. So... If you're totally, if you have something that you just, you have to have it done, you're like, I can't have this project, you know, this has to be changed, I don't care. Well, now you understand what the time is going to be to get that done as well. It's not only the money, it's the time. Absolutely. Um, so I think just last point on change orders, you know, if you're unsure if, if something should be a change order, it's just not sitting right with you, or, or you're, you're just unsure, which you're you know, you're, you're totally allowed to be, this is a, a complicated process. Um, that's a great time to lean on your architect, um, and, and maybe make a phone call and ask a question. You can take a Good few point. snaps on your, on your phone and, and, and shoot them an email and just say, Hey, these are the existing conditions. Uh, this is what the contractor's telling me. Here's the, the change order that he wrote up. Uh, does this all sound accurate to you? Great point. Architects are very well versed in code as they need to be, and they can let you know, 
yeah, this is a fair change order, or uh, it doesn't sound right to me. Maybe I should do a site visit. Maybe the the three of us, you you you, me, and the and the contractor should all get together and and uh, and talk this one out a little bit. So that's just a a good way to get a second opinion and to verify what's being said and to allow you to sleep better at night. Uh, so last part of this episode um, about communicating with your general contractor is technology. We've got so much of it in our pocket. <laughs> Uh, these days, why wouldn't we use it on the construction site? Uh, full disclosure here, this is a, f- a friend's company that I'm going to be mentioning, and I am uh, on their advisory board. Uh, the company is called FieldLens. It's at fieldlens.com, F-I-E-L-D-L-E-N-S.com. It'll be in the show notes. Um, it is basically, the easiest way for me to explain this to you guys is it's the Facebook for construction. It's the Facebook for managing your construction project. It allows you to communicate in real time with your contractor, with your architect, with your designer, with your CM, and you can be anywhere, just like you are with Facebook, Instagram, any of these things. Your contractor can take photos and videos and and post them to the timeline. Uh, Your contractor can communicate with his subcontractors, telling them about deficiencies or things that need to be fixed. Uh, the, The subcontractor can then mark off the to-do item is fixed, and it'll give your contractor an alert. It'll give you an alert, and then the contractor can go and verify that it's done, push it into closed items, and everything is documented. And why we love this tech so much is that everything is server-side technology. So to get rid of the nerdiness, it basically means once something is posted, no one, no one can delete it. It is a permanent part of the record for your job site. So it's a great way to keep track of all the critical tasks that are going on. Well, and, and I love it. You know, we've used it on so many projects. And like you said, when we have our busy lives, people are traveling, maybe homeowners are not around for the entire process, and they want to see what's going inside of their house. They want to see the progress. This is real time, J- just like you said. Yep. They can go on. They can see the updates. They can put notes on it if they want. They say, hey, tell me a little bit about this. I, I, I see this picture. What, what's kind of going ask on? Ask any question you need. Ask any question you need. And it, it doc, you know, the great part is our projects can get, you know, you start getting into the, the, the larger projects that are multiple months. They start, to get, they start to get very tedious, right? There's a lot going on. There's a lot of notes. Sometimes you forget things or the general contractor forgets things. This is a great way to see it in this timeline from start to finish. So if you had a conversation, if something was said by somebody, you just can, you can go back and you can reference that exact date. So it's there, it's in writing. No one is kind of shocked saying, no, I never said this, I didn't. You can easily put it in the notes because that's what it's about. It's about just making sure that everybody's on the same page. Absolutely, and you know the great thing from a general contractor standpoint is that you're not writing job reports at the end of every day yeah. you're not you're not spending an extra two hours for this job once you're home when you want to be spending time with your family writing down all the things that happened who was there you know what got accomplished no you can capture everything in real time the electricians show up they have three guys you hit the labor button you add who who showed up to the job right when they right when you see them walk on the job you're creating all of the information as it's happening and the plumbers can create it the electricians can create it everybody is at liberty to create information and document what what they're seeing 
Well, I think every general, con in all honesty, for all the general contractors, contractors in general that are listening to this, this is a tool that you guys want. This, is, this really is. I mean, this is... At the very least, I highly recommend you going on the website, watching yeah. some of the videos as to how the, 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 the software works and, uh, and explore it. Uh, you know, it's up to you guys if you're going to use it or not, but it, it's something that, that we are big fans of. Well, and it's, it's saved us. I mean, I, mean, I sp specifically the development company that, that we worked for, and there were so many change orders, so many things that changed. We started using Fieldlands at the beginning. We documented every change order that was going on because we kept running we ran into the bluestone when, when we were digging out the garden level yep. there was a lot of issues with, with the structure itself because it was actually falling down we had to underpin we had to do so many things well guess what all that was documented and i specifically because i used to go there for job meetings with the owner and we would you know start talking about hey you know what we're kind of a month behind our our timeline here that that we did Oh, oh, okay. Well, let me pull up field lens because remember two months ago we ran we ran into this problem, this problem, this problem. Well, that's why we're behind schedule because yep. we had major issues, and it, it's just a way to refresh everybody. Everybody remembers we all have busy lives. Everybody has multiple jobs. People get confused. It's a way to keep that timeline and to make sure that everybody understands what's been going on. And you know, I, I think it, it's a nice segue you just made for me. You know, everybody's got busy lives. Very true. And from a homeowner's perspective, we, you guys are at work all day and there's people working in your house and you're focused on, on your job, which yeah. you need to be. Here's one of the greatest benefits that I find with Field Lens and what I've always encouraged uh, our clients to do. When they get home, when you guys get home, you can walk your construction site. Your, your contractor's gone for the day, right? You can walk the construction site, take photos and notes and make a post with all your questions for the night. You don't need to call this guy up right away at 7 p.m., 8 p.m. What, what's going on with this? What's going on? Make a full post of all the questions you have that night. One post. You got the photos to support it. You can draw on the photos to make, uh, you know, to, to, to bring um, clarity to certain parts of images. You can do a video walkthrough with your questions. There's so many ways to do it. When the contractor gets on site the next morning, 7 a.m., 8 a.m., uh, they can walk the same path that you did use all the images for reference and reply back to you with all the answers that you need during his normal working hours. So we're not interrupting his family time uh, when, when he gets home and he's done for the day. So it, it keeps everybody a little happier. There's a permanent record of all these questions and answers within the, within the job feed. And you're getting that information uh, you know, 12 hours after you've requested it. But nothing's changed overnight, so you're basically getting that in real time. And, and the general contractor can push all of those questions and certain issues out to all the subcontractors, right? There's not, exactly there, there, right. There's not, there, there isn't just one team working here. You're, you're having multiple people that are on this job. So it pushes out. Everybody understands it. So when the electricians, the plumbers, the painters, whoever gets the spacklers, they get there, they know exactly what they have to fix, and that's it. It's done fast. Yep. And then last but not least, it's a great tool to use at the end of the job when you're creating a punch list. You know, you can create a, a new post for every deficiency that you find that you want um, the contractors to to uh, address. But uh, punch, punch list walkthroughs is going to be its, its own uh, episode because closing out a job is something that is uh, – 
tedious. It can be te- it can be tedious, and it's, and it is very important to do the right way on, on both sides of the coin. So so we'll get there. Um, but this seems like a a good wrap up point for today. A uh, lot of information here, guys. Check the show notes. We're going to have some download links um, for the various items that we mentioned today. That is another episode of Home with the Cousins. Thank you guys for hanging out. Hey guys, real quick before you go, we just wanted to say thanks for listening to the show this week. And if you have a second, please subscribe on the Apple Podcast app or wherever you get your podcasts. And share the show with your friends so we can keep growing this great community. Remember to check out homewiththecousins.com to read our show notes from this episode, see past episodes, download our free renovation document package, or just to send us a note. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Carino Anthony and at Culinary John. Our show is produced and edited by yours truly, with original music intro and outro created by Steve and Joseph Padula. I'm Anthony Carino, and thanks for listening.